My first guest today is a broadcaster and author specialising in, amongst other things, space and space exploration. Her new book, Wally Funk's Race for Space, was published last October. So, Sue Nelson, welcome to Emirates World. First question on everyone's lips, including mine, who was, or indeed is, Wally Funk? Wally Funk is a bit of a legend. Um, First of all, it's an extraordinary name. It's short for Wallace, Mary Wallace Funk, but don't ever call her Mary. She will not accept. She's a bit of a tomboy. Wally Funk, basically, she's 80 this year. She is an aviator, still flies every Saturday. She gets into a Cessna and pushes it out, takes off from Dallas, which is where she lives. So she's an American aviator who in 1961 took tests to become an astronaut. Now, this is the beginnings of human spaceflight. That hadn't even been, you know, I think there'd just been Yuri Gagarin in 1961. But at the time when she took her test, nobody had been into into space. And she was one of 13 American pilots who were asked to do the same tests as the Mercury 7, the America's first astronauts. You often see a picture of them in silver spacesuits, silver suited and booted. And um, Wally took these tests, passed, so she could have been the first woman on the moon. So we're talking about an extraordinary woman who is a pilot and uh, a potential astronaut who's still not given up on her race to space. Where did you first come across her? I first met her in 1997. I had lived in New York in the in the 90s as a freelance journalist. And I think I was reading the New York Times or something. And, and I literally just saw a couple of lines that referred to the Mercury 13, these 13 female pilots who'd passed these astronaut tests. And I, I, felt, I was like a shock because I, I was so into space. I, I wrote to NASA when I was a teenager asking to become an astronaut and they wrote back. So somebody who was so into space, I was just like, women? Women? I didn't know about these women. So I then sort of, you know, it was like a, a woman with a purpose from then on and um, looked, tried to find out as much as I could about the Mercury 13 and sold the idea as a BBC radio documentary, which I called the Women with the Right Stuff, and then tried to track down the women, those 13 women. I managed to track down five of them who would be take part in the in the programme. And Wally Funk was one of them. They were all, I was very lucky, they were all in uh, an aviation show at, uh, at da- in Dallas, I think, or Houston. So I, I managed to get most four of the five all in one location. So you then set about, I guess, arranging a meeting and uh, got to meet Wally. What's she like? She's a character, there's no doubt about it. And I think that's what made writing the book such fun because I didn't want to do a straight biography so it's it's cross genre you would say in, a, in a really because it's about it is part biography it is part Wally it's part um, history of women in space and it's also partly about how making a, a radio program from my perspective and she's she's fun she's got the loudest voice known existence she's sort of part of that is Part hearing loss at the time, but she's really. She would come if she was to come into the room now. She would fling her arms up in the air and go, "Hello, I'm Wally," 
that is what she's like. She's sort of loud American. Larger than life. Larger than life. Funny. She's, um, I've described her as high maintenance. Who thinks she's low maintenance, you know, in that when Harry met Sally kind of way. Um, she's, she's funny. She does make, make me laugh. Um, she, yeah, she's, she's unique. She's like nobody you've ever met before. She's immensely focused and determined. And uh, because she still wants to go into space, you know, she's determined she wants wants to do it. And she's spent her life trying to get into space. And uh, hopefully this year she will do so. How will she get into space? I mean, presumably she's too old to be an astronaut. Ah, you think? Well, with the commercial space flight now, when so many companies, in 2010, Wally bought a ticket with Virgin Galactic. So she has her ticket to do you know, a commercial space flight. So, fingers crossed, she will go up with Virgin Galactic in, in their space plane, Spaceship Two. Let's go back to 1961. Uh, there she was, training to be an astronaut, along with 12 other ladies. Why, why did none of them make it to space? What happened? Well, basically, they got called in to take the tests. They had the same criteria as the Mercury 7. They all had to be pilots, they all had to be experienced, they all had to be physically fit. Um, but when you don't know in the early 60s what space will do to someone's body, they sort of went over the top in terms of the physical tests. So they tested the um, women exactly as they tested the men. There were blood tests. Um, there were tests that pushed them to the point of physical exhaustion. So they put them on an exercise bike, maybe measuring their, you know, expiration and how they were using their lungs. They would make them climb up and down on steps. They would put them in like a ducking stool. That's how the guy who, who arranged the test described it, um, which is like a chair and immerse them into big tanks of water to measure their mass and their body mass. I mean, you name it, they, they had it. The ones that passed the tests were all due to do the next stage. They basically passed the hardest hardest bits because so few people could pass that uh, but although it was run by the same man who had organized the the tests for the for the men unlike that one which was nasa funded this one was privately funded because the guy who um, devised the test part devised the test called dr randolph lovelace this was here he wanted to see whether women could do this too and they unfortunately lost the funding. And you've got to remember, this is the early 60s, when a woman's, a woman's place was more often than not in the home. If they did have jobs, it was traditional roles. It was secretaries, it was nurses, it was teachers. So they were ahead of their time. And even one of the women actually you know, said, you know, NASA would send monkeys into space, why not us? <laughs> um, um, and why not, why not indeed? So the program was cancelled, it lost its funding, and NASA did not accept women candidates for the astronaut program. In fact, it's quite a shock, really, because if they'd had gone ahead, then the first man into space was a Russian, Yuri Gagarin. The first woman in space was a Russian, Valentina Tereshkova. Now, there was the space race on at the time. If America had stuck to their guns they would have at least got the first, possibly the first woman in space because, uh, you know, 1963, the Russians beat them to it again. And NASA didn't actually allow women into their astronaut corps until the late 70s. That's so late compared to Russia, you know. So, yeah. You're obviously a, a great uh, 
fan of space and all things to do with space. Have you met many astronauts? Oh, yes, yes. That's the best thing, I think, about um, working and doing space journalism. And um, I meet a lot through presenting a Space Boffins podcast. So I've met um, Buzz Aldrin and, in fact, I've also met um, Gene Cernan, who was the last man on, on the moon, and even rode a replica moon buggy, a lunar buggy with him on the streets of London, which is bizarre. Bizarre thing to have done. Um, I've met Eileen Collins, who I really liked, who was the first female commander of the space shuttle. An incredible, um, incredible woman. A lot of European astronauts as well, such as Samantha Cristoforetti. Another wonderful, as, as a lot, astronauts are almost like superhuman. You know, they speak so many languages. They're super fit. They're incredibly smart. And Samantha is, is definitely a a brilliant example. And uh, until Peggy Whitson broke her record, um, Samantha held the record for the longest continuous time in space for a woman, which was 200 days. But um, Peggy Whitson, um, in fact, Peggy Whitson holds the record for pretty much everyone. She was described as uh, Superman wears Peggy's pyjamas because that's what she is. She's a bit of a superwoman. It's a big year for fans of space. 2019, we've got shortly coming up the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So I imagine your services are going to be much in demand. Uh, are you looking forward to it? Can you remember, in fact, can you remember the moon I was landing? Quite, I was quite young, but I do remember my um, my dad shouting, Sue, 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 come and watch this. I think it was on the news or something. Come and have a look. So I, I do remember it and being very excited um, by it. And it's also knowing those possibilities as well that you could look up at the moon and think, wow, human beings have uh, have stood there. And that probably, I was also really into science fiction. So for me, space has always been not just aspirational in terms of um, career, because um, I was always into science and in fact did a degree in, in physics. And it's Partly as well because I love science fiction too. So one of the big inspirations for me was Star Trek. So it was a mix of fact and and fiction. And I sort of, you know, think if I'd have known then that there had been these women like Wally who were there and ready, you know, had been qualified to go into space, that would have made a, you know, a huge difference to so many women and young girls at the time to know that um, women were part of that. And it's sort of slowly becoming coming out what with hidden figures and things like that, that women were part of space history. It wasn't just, if you look at all the old pictures of, of space and mission control, it's men in white shirts with, you know, black ties and big black rimmed, 1960s glasses all looks quite retro trendy in a way but you just don't see women and the women were there they were there behind the scenes calculating trajectories um they were there in in every aspect actually engineering science um nurse you know all sorts of ways and then you find out that actually in america they were also there they could have been astronauts too it's sort of slightly gutting but at least that story is being told when will Sue Nelson make it into space? Oh, I've been trying to go for a long time. In, in December 2015, I got the next best thing. I went on a European space agency, often called zero-G flights, microgravity flights, where you go into, in America, in uh, Russia, they call them vomit comets, don't they? Um, you get into a plane that does these, you know, flies up really steep into a parabola and then goes up the top and then shoom down again in that brief, 
period of 20 seconds at the top of the parabola, you are weightless. So I was floating in that plane, feeling like an astronaut. And then as soon as it comes down a couple of minutes later, it does it again about 31 times. So it's not for the faint-hearted of stomach. And there were a few, it was a science um, one I, I went on. So a lot of scientists on board doing experiments. So yeah, I, I got a taste of it then. It was brilliant. And I definitely would like to be the first journalist in space. But to be honest, I want Wally Funk to get there first. Sue Nelson's book, Wally Funk's Race for Space, is out now. And I'm sure if you come along to the Lit Fest in the first week of March, she'll be only too delighted to sign a copy for you. Sue, thanks very much for being our guest today here on Emirates World. Thank you.